Radio Rounds, the podcast series from St. Louis Children's Hospital. Here's Melanie Cole. About 1 in 2,000 babies is affected by craniosynostosis, in which the sutures of the skull bone close too early. This leads to an abnormally shaped head not related to external factors. My guest today is Dr. Kamlesh Patel. He's a Washington University pediatric plastic and reconstructive surgeon at St. Louis Children's Hospital. Welcome to the show, Dr. Patel. What is craniosynostosis? So craniosynostosis, if you imagine just going back, first I'll explain the anatomy of the skull. Uh, the best way to think of the skull is just not, it's not one piece of bone. It's basically multiple pieces of bone that are connected by this fibrous tissue called sutures. And the reason why you don't want it as one piece of bone is because that brain is doubling in size in the first six months. So to kind of meet that rapid brain growth, you want the bones to be separate and just connected loosely. Craniosynostosis happens when one of these sutures closes too early. Uh, this always happens before birth in utero. Uh, it's never something that happens after birth. When it, uh, how often does it happen? As you mentioned, it's uh, one in 2,000. Um, and there's a, in terms of craniosynostosis, I don't know if we want to go into the diagnosis already, but pretty much the diagnosis can be made clinically, uh, you know, by an, uh, either a neurosurgeon or a craniofacial surgeon. And usually when you think of the sutures, how the head shape is when the suture fuses is, well, say the most common one is along the top of the head, just straight down the middle along the top of the head called the sagittal suture. When that suture fuses too early, it prevents growth perpendicular to the suture. So what do you end up? You end up with a head that's narrow, and then because the other sutures are open, the brain's always going to find somewhere else to grow. It grows more front and back, so you end up with a very, very long head. And that's just an example of the most common one. And that's why when each particular suture closes, we kind of know the head shape that's expected with each one. Is this something that couldn't be diagnosed during pregnancy in utero? It's difficult. It's, you, in most cases, in, actually in, in pretty much all cases, it's not diagnosed in utero. It's something that's diagnosed pretty much at birth uh, or pretty soon after birth. And can it affect the brain growth itself? And that's one of the uh, debates. Definitely, you know what? You know that's the question of why? Why? Why do you need? To, why does this need to be fixed? You definitely have the, you know, the cosmetic concerns. You know, with the changes it's having on the head shape, in particular, some of the more frontal sutures, the impact that it has on the face. So definitely, that's one reason why you'd fix this. The second reason is, you know, what impact can it have on the brain? There's definitely a a, a rate of around ten to thirty percent chance of having increased pressure, meaning not enough room for the brain to completely uh, uh, grow in the skull because it's uh, inhibited by the, uh, the, uh, the fused suture. The way I usually like to think of it, as if it's just one suture, the brain usually finds somewhere else to grow, and that's where you get the abnormal head shape. I tend to worry more about the ones that have more than one suture fused. You're kind of taking a double hit. Now you're kind of struggling to find the room for the brain, and those are the ones we tend to worry about more when it comes to increased pressure. Who would notice this first? Would it be the obstetrician in the delivery room? And then when would a specialist such as yourself come into play? Yeah, usually um, I'd say the diagnosis, sometimes for the uh, obstetrician is difficult, especially straight away after birth. You know, you know, at times the head shape is a little bit um, abnormal and then it kind of fixes itself um, pretty quickly after that. I'd say most cases the diagnosis, the, the parents are very smart. They kind of pick up that the head shape is abnormal. 
and then they go to their pediatrician, and the pediatrician kind of picks up then after that that the head shape is abnormal, and a referral is made to the either craniofacial surgeon or a pediatric neurosurgeon that specializes in this. And tell us about the management of the condition. Yeah, in terms of uh, you know management, so as soon as we uh, you know see the patient, it's always a t- in, in, at St. Louis Children's. It's a team approach. Um, the reason why we do a team approach between myself, the craniofacial surgeon, and the neurosurgeon is that the outcomes are better when we work together. It's kind of safety is improved, and also the head shape outcome is better when we just work together. In terms of uh, management, we've done quite a lot of uh, education uh, to our local pediatricians and also nationally kind of get the referral as soon as possible, and I'll kind of explain why that's important. Traditionally, craniosynostosis, you'd think, okay, let's see if it fixes itself, wait until at least five, six months, uh, and then make the referral. Our preference is to get the referral early, and the reason is why is that we actually offer two different treatments for this population. One is the, what we call minimally invasive, the endoscopic route. If you remember, I mentioned that the brain doubles in size in the first six months. The way the endoscopic route works is you just take out the fused suture, and then with the use of a helmet postoperatively, you guide the brain growth. You guide the skull growth itself. So then it kind of fixes itself. But you need that rapid brain growth phase, which, uh, you know, which is up to about six months to really take advantage of that. So if someone comes to us after about five, six months of age, we say that kind of outside the minim- minimally invasive approach, and we go to the more traditional approach, which is tried and tested and the most common technique that everyone else uses in the country. With the open approach, what we do is make an incision from ear to ear. The reason why we make it in the hairline because it hides the scar better. Then you actually, with the aid of the neurosurgeon, we take the bones that are affected off or recontour them, and that's where my job comes in to kind of put the bones back where they should be and create more room for the brain. Use little resolvable plates, plates that kind of dissolve on their own over a year to hold everything in place. And uh, usually kind of that, and in terms of the differences between the two operations, definitely the minimally, the endoscopic one is shorter. Uh, usually one day, one day stay in the hospital and then less blood loss. Downside is you have to wear a helmet till one year of age. With the open operation, you know, there's definitely more work up front, uh, usually about two to three days in the hospital, operations a little bit longer, but no helmet afterwards. We've done a lot of research looking at both. The end outcome is the same between the two operations. So you definitely, there's nothing nothing wrong with picking either, either option. Uh, but we always, if you're younger, we can give both options. If you come after five to six months of age, then we give younger options. I mean, we, then we go more with the open operation. What would you like to tell other pediatricians about getting to that specialist early enough that you can use the endoscopic procedure and getting them in so that they see someone like you? Yeah, so we always make it a priority when anyone uh, makes a referral of uh, craniosynostosis, it's kind of a, a flag goes off that, all right, get them in, you know, pretty much the referral's made and get them in as soon as possible. Um, so I've kind of advised if you get comfortable with looking at these head shapes, if it's one that doesn't really fit uh, the patterns of, say, what we call deformational, you know, the the one from back to sleep, you know, sleeping on the back and causing, a, you know, flattening along the back of the head. If you've seen something beyond that, the best thing is just make the referral early so the evaluation can be done. We always get a 
at our institution, we always like to get a CT scan just to confirm the diagnosis. Uh, the last thing we want to do is take a child to the operating room uh, without confirming the diagnosis. Now, the CT scans are definitely uh, quicker. The radiation protocol is a lot lower to the point where it's, you know, radiation dose is just the same as living in St. Louis for six months. So we feel a lot more comfortable offering the CT scan just to make sure that we have the right diagnosis before going to the operating room. And tell us in the last few minutes about some of the lifelong considerations for a child with craniosynostosis. Yeah, so, you know, kind of the lifelong... So these patients have followed in our craniofacial team until skeletal maturity. So we always make sure that after the operation is done, whichever one it is, that the head's growing okay and that there's no issues in terms of uh, psychological... All these children also get psychological and speech evaluations. Um, You know, long-term... you know, long-term studies have shown that uh, these children are pretty much within the normal range, but we want to be kind of uh, make sure that we follow these children and get all the re- get them the resources they need. But all in all, a lot of them actually do just fine as they grow. And tell us about your team. Why is St. Louis Children's Hospital so great to work with? So here we're kind of one of the uh, one of the oldest and one of the largest teams in the uh, Midwest. Uh, we have a long history of uh, safety with this procedure, even though the operation is a big operation, but it can be done safely. And uh, we published our outcomes uh, just last year with uh, over the past 10 years. And I think that's the key. Uh, You just want to make sure that the center has a high volume of this and that it can be done safely. Thank you so much for being with us today. A physician can refer a patient by calling Children's Direct Physician Access Line at 1-800-678-HELP. That's 1-800-678-4357. You're listening to Radio Rounds with St. Louis Children's Hospital. For more information on resources available at St. Louis Children's Hospital, you can go to stlouischildrens.org. That's stlouischildrens.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.